You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every single day of the week, outside of the weekends, of course, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's right. We are back in in-season mode here on Locked On Panthers and throughout the entire Locked On NFL Network here, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So make sure to rate, review, subscribe, so you get every episode downloaded to your mobile device or wherever you listen to the show. And make sure that you're going to be listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to go ahead and do that. Give me five stars, please, or else you're a hater. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where finally we're going to get back to doing it. The weekly Friday mailbag. I know we didn't do a ton of them, or I don't think any at all in the last couple weeks here in July, but we will get them done again this Friday. Uh, there's a bunch of questions that I had lined up last Friday, but as, of course, I talked to you guys about last Friday, I had to react to the news of Taylor Moten signing here in Carolina, getting an extension, four years, $72 million, $43 million guaranteed, and he's locked up to be a Carolina Panther for what, the next five years at, if you combine this upcoming season, 2021, you combine it, it's getting $5 million or five years, $85 million. It's absurd. Guy's got the bag. So, and that's not that much away from what Ryan Ramchick just signed with the New Orleans Saints, getting $19.2 million over a year, over five years, what, 90, whatever it was. But really good to see the Carolina Panthers do that. On today's show, got part one of a two part conversation with Atlanta Getzenberg of the Charlotte Observer. Does a great job covering the Carolina Panthers. We are only, what, eight days away from the Carolina Panthers finally reporting to training camp down in Spartanburg, South Carolina, on the campus of Wofford College. She's going to talk to Atlanta about just the entirety of the offseason, the Sam Darnold trade, uh, mainly focus on the offense today, then be more defensive talk. You guys know how excited I am about this defense coming up in 2021 at this NFL season. But first off, let's kind of go back to our conversation we had on Friday about Scott Fitterer. And I, I was thinking about it over the weekend. Does Scott Fitterer now give you more confidence that this Panthers organization will eventually actually win a Super Bowl. Because even if Sam Darnold doesn't pan out, the moves that he's made, the way that he's operated, and just the, his whole demeanor, doesn't it give you that confidence? Like Matt Rule certainly has shown at Temple, where if you look at the history of that program, what he did there is, I don't think it's enough credit. And then to go in the situation he had down at Baylor, after all of the ridiculousness and the criminal acts that happened when Art Bryles was a head coach there, and to turn that program around in what, three seasons and have them on the brink, one game away from the college football playoff, and then to parlay that into the Panthers' job, there, there's not really any doubt that Matt Rule eventually will get this team to the playoffs. Now, can he get them to the point to where you have the sustained success that David Tepper promised and that they actually are hoisting Lombardi and there's a parade going down Mint Street in Uptown Charlotte? I'm not quite sure if he will be the guy in the end. But the guy I really feel really good about is, is Scott Fitterer and his ability to stay around for a long time. You've seen Jason Light down in Tampa, and he's someone who, not too long ago, there's a lot of questions about whether he's going to stick around. The Getting a Roberto Aguayo in the draft and him not panning out, Jameis Winston not working out, having Dirk Cutter as his head coach. There was a lot of questions but then you're able to bring in Tom Brady. You draft guys like Devin White 
and you draft guys like Chris Godwin, and you got Mike Evans on that roster. You bring in Bruce Arians, and now Tampa Bay's bringing back what those top twenty-two players from last season that just won a Super Bowl, and now he's viewed as one of the best executives in the NFL. Scott Fitterer spent twenty years in Seattle, learning from John Snyder, who drafted Russell Wilson after one season at Wisconsin, and Russell Wilson led him to a Super Bowl. He built the Legion of Boom. And Scott Fitter was a large part of them bringing in Russell Wilson. So he can evaluate talent. And what he's done so far this offseason and the signings that he's made, the Moten extension especially, that gives me more hope than I think I've ever had with the Panthers, especially when you look at what we had here with Dave Gettleman, who as for as bad as his bedside manner was here in Carolina and how poorly he handled the situation with Josh Norman, Dave Gettleman won a lot of football games as the GM. And the roster that he left over in 2017 when he was so unceremoniously fired a week before training camp, and then they bring in Marty Herney again to do Marty 2.0, that was still a playoff team. Of course, in large part because of Cam Newton and his health that season, but still, he, he had playoff teams. It, they never got back-to-back winning seasons. It was ugly there after the Super Bowl, but still, Dave Gettleman, for the most part, did a good job here in Carolina. But he's still old school. And you've seen so far with the Giants, he has not been able to replicate things he up there like he did. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Daniel Jones is his quarterback and he doesn't have Cam Newton, who was an MVP, of course, in 2015 when the Panthers went 15-1 and in that regular season. I just look at Scott Fitter and compare him to Dave Gettleman, and, of course, there's no comparison to what Marty Herney did. Now, Marty Herney, certainly, the in his defense, and I, this is something I've talked to people about, every cornerstone player here in Carolina and plenty of guys that are going to go up there in the Hall of Honor one day, they were Marty Herney draft picks. Absolutely. You give him credit for that. He knocked out the first round, which is why he was able to keep his job for so long. Because as long as you're getting those top-notch players on the field and they're actually producing and they're getting second deals, you can stick around when you're missing in the middle parts of the draft. But eventually, that's going to come back to bite you like it did early on. And it did again in a second time around when people were talking more like the Marty 2.0 or he's not going to give out those deals just to the guys who stuck around and just got to be nice about it, but more to try to be more of a shrewd businessman, which was David Gettleman. But Gettleman did it a little bit too far to the point where Jerry Richardson, old school, not much of a fan of how Dave Gettleman operated. But that's not Scott Fitterer. Scott Fitter is analytical. He is experienced. He's a smart dude. And I think he probably seems to be a pretty good people person. And I think he has a ton of respect of everyone in the organization. Obviously, up top, Dave Gettleman, or not, excuse me, David Tepper, the owner, Matt Rule and him. They've seen the jive. And I feel like everyone at organization has a ton of respect for him. I have a ton of respect for what he's done so far. And I think the entire fan base is giddy about the future here in Carolina with Scott Fitter as a general manager. So we can talk more about Scott Fitter, of course, throughout the week. But on the other side, my conversation with Lana Getzenberg of the Charlotte Observer does a fantastic job. Part one of two. Part two will be tomorrow. So tune in for that. But stay tuned just in a moment for part one with Lana Getzenberg. Guys, been telling you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And now you can get these nine delicious, amazing flavors like coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, and cookies and cream. Oh, and don't forget, German chocolate. Built Bars are amazing, and there's something for every single person out there. And what I love about Built Bar is if you haven't had the opportunity to try all nine flavors... 
the cool thing you can do is get a mixed box, which means that you get two of each of the nine flavors, 18 bars in one box. This is incredible for you guys. Built Bars are soft and easy to chew. They're covered in 100% chocolate. So if you get orange or you get strawberry, you're also getting a bar covered in 100% chocolate. And you would think that that doesn't make them healthy. Well, you're wrong. Built Bars have about 17, 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. They're amazing flavors. They're always tasty and they're always healthy. And the Olympics, they're coming up. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the USA track and field team. So if you want to have the official protein bar of the USA track and field team and have the same energy and performance that those guys have and those ladies have, well, you're probably not going to have it. But either way, if you want to kind of be like them, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, they're a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl now. They were in a Super Bowl last year, the year before. They won the Super Bowl, and the year before that, Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. They were number one seed in the AFC, lost an AFC championship game to the Patriots. This past offseason, after what happened to them in the Super Bowl, now a lot of that was injuries, but they went out and found their two right tackle or their two tackles to book in to protect Patrick Mahomes. You bring Sam Darnold here to Carolina, who had his issues in New York. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Whether it was protection, whether it was him performing at the level that a number three overall pick should, you can blame Adam Gase. No matter how you spin it, Sam Darnold was bad in New York. Now, in this situation here in Carolina with the weapons around him, you would think that he has a chance to succeed. Knowing that, like, wouldn't the Panthers want to have Moten on his roster to, in order to give him at least Sam Darnold, whoever comes up next? the protection that the franchise quarterback is going to need? Yes. <laughs> so why are they doing it? <laughs> I have been pretty on the record. Like, I think they've handled the left tackle thing really poorly. Yes. Like, I think that has, and I'm not alone in that. I know that. Like, like, yes. I have no problem saying, like, I think they've handled that really, really poorly. I think it makes Cam Irving I, has been really bad and very injury prone. I, and he's injured going into camp kind of of course I don't get it. so <laughs> hopefully he'll be healthy once camp starts but like he has a bad recent history which you know injuries happen but it's not great so yeah at right tackle yes absolutely you want someone like taylor moton on your roster but the panthers also want to pay him what they think is appropriate and they're not gonna overpay him 
um, which, you know, and his agent's going to think he's worth one thing and the Panthers are going to think he's worth something else because he doesn't have all those accolades and he doesn't, you know, that all plays a factor. Um, so they like, they are interested. Like, I don't, they have, they want to sign Taylor Moten to a long-term deal, but it has to be at their price. And, you know, that's something where they don't want to, they think they can find another right tackle if it doesn't work out. And we'll see if that's the case. Well, they did draft the guy in Brady Christensen who Matt rule said he thinks he's better off right now on the right side, whether that's at right guard or right tackle, we'll see where he fits in long-term, but still if he's right, a right tackle and Taylor Moten's replacement or insurance policy, however you want to put it, that does not fix the left tackle situation, which I agree with you. I mean, I come up here all the time and talk about how, this is the ninth straight year. They're going to have a different left tackle starting the season. And it makes absolutely no sense to me how this team can go trade for Sam Darnold and then not invest in a left tackle via the draft. And they graded Christensen as a second-round guard and a third-round tackle. That does not tell me that the day one starter. And Cam Irving was horrible in Kansas City, was bad with the Browns who drafted him. Last year was banged up and bad with the Cowboys. I, I mean – Trent Scott doesn't really feel that much better of an option, but he was fine, I guess, better than Greg Little last season. It It's confusing to me, the whole situation on the offensive line for this team and having a new general manager, second-year head coach. I would just think that they would maybe come in with a better plan, but we'll see how Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, fixes or works with those guys in a couple weeks uh, heading down to Spartanburg. Now, just Sam Darnold overall, what were your thoughts on the Panthers' decision to trade for him, what, four or five weeks prior to the draft, then on draft night, deciding not to take a quarterback there at eight when Justin Fields and Mac Jones were on the roster. For reference, I, I figured once they traded for Darnold that, like, obviously they weren't going to take a quarterback, even though plenty of people on Twitter and throughout Panther the fan base convinced themselves that they were still in the hunt for a quarterback when it was very obvious that was not the case. Yeah, the Justin Fields-Sam Darnold competition. That, <laughs> yeah. that was, like, never going to happen. Um, yeah, like, I don't – I'm not in the camp that the Sam Darnold experiment's going to work. I don't know, like you kind of said it, like, I don't know why we've decided that, you know, you can say whatever about his Jets pass, you can blame it on the coaching, you can blame it on the offensive line, the lack of weapons, but like, he still played poorly. And that's still like, on him to an extent. I don't know why we think he's going to be transformed in a new offense where he has to do something completely different. Like it's going to take time at the minimum. Um, so I wasn't the biggest fan of deciding to trade for Sam Darnold. Now the Panthers, how they felt about Justin Fields. Cause I, I didn't think Trey Lance really, I mean, obviously he wasn't an option in the end, but like, I didn't think that made sense. Um, and Mac Jones is his own thing, but like, <laughs> yeah. it's really Justin Fields, right. Who they did like, but like, Clearly, they didn't like him enough. And would I have drafted Justin Fields? I don't know. He would have. I would have had to believe that he was the guy and he could lead this team if I'm going to draft him with the eighth overall pick. And I don't know if I necessarily feel that way. But I wouldn't have gone with Sam Darnold. I. I don't know. I just don't. There's no reason to think he's going to play well. Like, there's no evidence to support. Like, oh yeah, this is why he will like be extremely successful he has to prove a lot which like is makes it a kind of a it's a big gamble because if you got something to prove then you could also prove that you're who you were with the Jets so there's a lot of question marks with it I probably if my options are just Justin Fields and Sam Darnold I would have gone with Justin Fields but 
the Sam, yeah, I can definitely say I didn't, I didn't agree with the Sam Darnold decision. Yeah, and I see why they made it. I mean, Chris McCaffrey comes back. Hopefully, he's healthy for a full seventeen game season. The one of the best running backs in the league, if not the best. I know ESPN had they polled coaches and coordinators and all that, and he ranked number five heading into the season. If there's anyone who's above him, in my opinion, it'd be Derrick Henry. But even then, I still don't think that's the case. But still. Um, He's a good player. And then you obviously have Robbie Anderson back about a career year last year with Teddy Bridgewater. You have DJ Moore, who's had a back-to-back thousand-yard receiving seasons with P.J. Walker throwing to him, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton when the shoulder is falling apart, Kyle Allen, and the guy's been able to put up big-time numbers. So he's obviously a solid player. I like what they have in Dan Arnold. It's just, you know, I'm just – I'm waiting to see here with Sam Darnold before I'm really going to buy into it. So you talk about having something to prove. You know, I guess that also adds pressure, right? I mean, you have the first three seasons for David Tepper. The Panthers have been bad. And when he first takes over, they're six and two of Cam. And then everything just goes to hell at the end of the season because of his health. And that's just unfortunate. The next season, they try to retool the defense, go to three, four. That doesn't work out. Ron gets fired before the four weeks left in the season. Then last year, you know, there's not a lot of expectations, but the way they lost games was very frustrating for a lot of people, which is why Teddy Bridgewater is no longer here. Is there more pressure on like on rule? Darnold or maybe even Joe Brady for this whole thing to work out at this experiment, so to say. I mean, I think the pressure is first on rule. Like I do think, I think there's pressure on rule this year. Absolutely. That there was not last year and he's still, they could be really bad this year and he'll still have his job. But like, I do think there's pressure on rule more so to prove something that like, if they're not moving in the right direction, then it's bad news. Like they need to move in the right direction, but I think people don't, for some reason, we don't, like, put a lot of fans or whatever. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of Joe Brady, like, negative thoughts. Or I don't know. I think he has, like, it's probably Matt Rule, and then Joe Brady's a really close second to me. And obviously Sam Darnold, too. But in terms of, like, this franchise, I think we bestowed Joe Brady as, like, this offensive genius and, like, how good he is. And, like, there's a lot last year that you can point to that, you know, he there was some bad decision-making. It was his first full season as an offensive coordinator at any level. Like, there were going to be mistakes, but he still has a ton to learn. And he's, like, he's who – that is who I'm watching to make, like, a, a huge jump this year. Joe Brady is who I'm watching to make a huge jump, especially, you know, like you just listed all those weapons. He needs to take advantage of those guys and show, like – that he can live up to the hype. That's, I mean, if not, like, why is he getting head coaching interviews if he can't even get the offense right? Another quick pause, and we'll be back with Atlanta Getzenberg talking all things Carolina Panthers. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, and your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Yeah, and that's the thing, because like they put up numbers last year, but in certain situations, obviously in the games, they didn't they were 0 for 8 in what game tying or game winning drives. In the red zone, they were atrocious, having to settle for way too many field goals. The only time they were really aggressive in the red zone was that game on the road against Kansas City when they knew that there's no way we're gonna be Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey and the gang if we don't go out there and actually be aggressive in those situations. So yeah, I mean I called Joe Brady the Wonder Boy. Because I think the, the league made up their mind on him that he's, I think no matter what happens this year, unless the Panthers offense. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's completely bombs that he's getting a head coaching job. Like he got interviews last year when they, for no damn reason at all, should he be getting any interviews considering that he had barely been in the league. He had never been a play caller until last season, but you know how the NFL works. Guys like Joe Brady, they get a look, even if they don't even have the credentials and haven't really had the mo- that much experience. I don't think he's gonna be here in Carolina past this upcoming season, which kind of gives me, makes me think like, okay, well, if Darnold has success with him, then like, then what after that for Carolina? Like, will he, will he end up, you know, sticking around and still having success past that? I don't know, but you're right. I mean, about Joe Brady, definitely with pressure on him. I mean, offense as a whole, like we're going into training camp. Dan Arnold's coming over. Ian Thomas did not live up to expectations last season or whatever expectations that we have for him. Is he safe to be on the roster this year, or is there a possibility that he could be gone? Because I look at Greg Little, too, as a guy from the past regime who has not lived up to the expectations and who's had the opportunity, and it's kind of floundered. Like, are, are both of those guys – or either one of them, like who even makes the 53-man initial roster? Yeah, so I think the person who has, who's very, very, very close to the edge to me is Greg Little. I don't know, like his chances of making this roster are smaller to me unless he proves something in camp. Because as you mentioned earlier, this coaching staff prioritizes versatility in their offensive linemen. It's been pretty clear. Greg Little can play left tackle, and that's about it. Yep, that's <laughs> and it. that's really not good for him. Unfortunately, with this coaching staff, they all of their backup offensive linemen are play another – like last year, all of them played at least two positions except Greg. And I just think it, with his injuries, with his inconsistent play – and Marty's not in the building anymore. You know, that draft choice, the person responsible is no longer making decisions. I just think he, it's going to be really hard for him to make the roster because why would you keep the third or even fourth left tackle if he can't help you at right tackle, left guard, any other position? So Ian Thomas is also, he's got, he's got something to prove. But to me, Greg Little, because of his lack of versatility, is in an incredibly tough spot. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine just probably with Tommy Trimble, that would be going to make the roster. They, they drafted him. Dan Arnold, and Dan Arnold is more of just kind of a converted wide receiver more than like an actual tight end. So Ian Thomas probably feels safe just because they're going to probably need three guys. Um, I'm, I'm curious about this too, just offensively. If you look at wide receiver, I'm not really in the camp that Robbie Anderson will be a Panther in 2022. This offseason coming up is going to be his last opportunity to really get paid a lot of money. 
And I just don't know if the Panthers are trying to retain Taylor Moten, if they're going to have that kind of money left. And also, if you think about it, DJ Moore, he's going to want a lot of money too eventually. So how much a priority would Robbie Anderson be? Which now leads me to think like Terrace Marshall, him going into training camp, like he's not healthy. How much of a concern should that be? And like, what are the expectations for him heading into the season, you think? I think it's tough. More touchdowns? <laughs> I mean, I think we're in a position where like, these every everyone on the offense. If we're putting the blame on Teddy Bridgewater, which I think too much blame was put on Teddy Bridgewater, but if that's where we're putting the blame, clearly by that's who is no longer with the team, then all of the guys who need to put up better numbers. Um, I think that's hard after you know they had, you know, three wide receivers with a thousand plus scrimmage yards, like to top that. But I think like they have the skill position players where like. Like we said, Sam Sam Darnold has something to prove, right? Well, his only excuse is going to be like too much pressure because of the offensive line. And besides that, he should help the rest of those guys have like good season. So to me, the expectations should be higher, um, especially in the second year in Joe Brady's offense. They've had the offseason program, you know, all those excuses last year that we kind of threw around a lot. Like yeah. all of the guys to me, there's no reason it shouldn't go up. I mean, the offensive line is similar to what it was last year. And so, you know, it's going to be up to Sam Darnold, but there's no reason why, especially with Christian McCaffrey, assuming he stays healthy on the field more, those other guys should only, they should only go up. But again, that's a lot of asterisks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a lot of question marks, but this is the youngest team in the NFL and offensively, like you like a lot of guys who are on the roster and the potential, but it's just like, man, like, if, is the quarterback right? Is the offensive line right? And typically when you look at football, like if you have a solid offensive line, you feel pretty good. And if you have a solid quarterback to go along with that, then like you think, hey, this could be a playoff team. And I don't think either one of those are really solved and concrete yeses for the Carolina Panthers. Now, before we get to the defense, though, Christian McCaffrey, he a lot of questions about his workload. I know last year after he suffered the injury, Panther fans, for whatever reason, want to save Christian McCaffrey for week 17 of 2018 or 2028 they that's they're more concerned about his health down the line than actually giving him touches and having your best offensive weapon have the ball as much as possible but there's this conversation about shutting him down after he got injured in tampa of course comes back gets injured immediately against kansas city and has a groin and the durability question is going to come up he said he's not changing his routine which i don't think he should after literally missing like no time in the nfl and then missing like one game i think back in stanford he's always been healthy and he has definitely dispelled all the questions of can he run between the tackles? Well, it was a big fat yeah back in college, and it's been an even more emphatic yes in the NFL. Does he have anything to prove to anyone in 2021? Or is it just kind of business as usual for McCaffrey? I think, I mean, I think he'll think he does, um, but not really. I mean, I think it's just proving he can stay healthy. That's the biggest thing to me is that's what he's proving. We don't need to, we know he can run the football. We know he can be a receiver. It's staying healthy, staying on the field, which is, isn't that the biggest question with running backs on their second deals? Like not yeah. getting too banged up, being able to be on the field a lot. Like that's to, that's what he has to prove. He has to prove that the contract, was the right decision because he can stay on the field, not that he can be a dynamic player. Like, and that's a big question mark because that's how a lot of running backs on their second deals. That's what's tripped them up is the injury stuff. You're on the field so much, you get banged up. So that's to me what he has to prove outside of that. He's still Christian McCaffrey. And I think 
he's going to be Christian McCaffrey, but it's being able to stay healthy going into this season, especially after last year and and proving that you're durable. Yeah. I mean, I've always said that NFL running back should be making federal minimum wage just (laughs) because you can find pretty much anyone to go out there and and tote the rock. And you saw last year, Mike Davis had a thousand yards from scrimmage. Now he's not Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey, like the re-signing extension, was a no-brainer considering where the organization was losing all those faces last offseason. I'm still not necessarily in love with paying running back that much money, especially as soon as he gets the money, he gets injured. It's just kind of more bad luck than anything, more than his durability. Great stuff from Elena Getzenberg of the Charlotte Observer. Make sure to follow her at A. Getzenberg on Twitter. And that's only part one of our conversation. Part two coming up tomorrow, Tuesday morning here on Locked on Panthers. Again, guys, make sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcast from. And follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. For every Friday, we're going to have our weekly Friday mailbag throughout the offseason where I'm going to want your participation. So make sure to either at me or DM me, but don't get crazy. Again, I'll talk to you tomorrow for part two of Elena Getzenberg on Locked On Panthers.